Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Post. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Scott. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us live or later via the podcast. And how has your week been going? Because uh, we, we've had some exciting things here at our podcast. We mm. have just we have just passed the 5,000 uh, play mark uh, all time. So <gasps> I, I'm yeah. excited about that. I remember when we first started. Yeah, maybe our guest today helped us leap over the when That's he binged, what it was. when he binge listened. Um, yeah, uh, well, you know, yesterday was Mother's Day and on Mother's Day, I like to honor, uh, not just women with a uterus who might somehow be a mother, <laughs> but, um, all mothering people, I've, I've regardless been called a mother of their before. gender. Yeah. All mothering people regard, you know, some people have a very mothering father or they have a non-binary parent or they have, um, you know, they do mothering of other, other sorts. So, and then I have been loving mother earth this morning. So I am a little dirt underneath the nails of transplanting my tomatoes. Well, not, not, (laughs) not necessarily in keeping, not necessarily because of today's show, but Mm -hmm. certainly in keeping with today's theme and our featured guest uh, yesterday, the kids took my wife and I, to the LA Arboretum and we oh. spent the day in nature oh, and among, we did a picnic out there with the squirrels who were begging and the peacocks <laughs> who were the, the peacocks who were pluming and the peahens who were guarding their little I don't know chicks. what you call a tiny they I don't chicks? know what you call a tiny peacock but I can tell you <laughs> uh, we all we also spent time amongst the geese who were protecting their little geeselings goslings and uh Man, these are mean little animals. Oh my God, these these geese. Oh yes. Do not mess with the geese. I was hiking in Hawaii, uh, I don't know, six months ago or so, and got off the trail and lost. And we happened upon some uh, nanes, which are Hawaiian geese, protecting their nest. And we had a choice, which is go back into the wilderness where we were lost, or try to pass these huge nanes that were sitting on their nest. Guess what we chose? The wilderness. Yeah, well, you know <laughs> what? You ran it. My eyes plucked out by some nanes. <laughs> do, 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 do you remember the uh, the old? I, I don't know if it was Grimm's fairy tale, but one of them is like the, the troll on the bridge. Who goes on my bridge? Exactly. Yeah, you don't get the pass. <laughs> and they I, were staring. I, they didn't move. They looked like statues. They were staring us down, man. Yeah. These I grew up with a, I, my. Di- my dad uh, grew up in Chicago, and apparently on their farm that they had, apparently there were guard geese oh. that would walk <laughs> the perimeter, 
and it's as hysterical. he was growing up, uh, as he was growing up, apparently the guard geese would would actually herd him if he got too far away from the oh. house. They they would chase him back to the house. Uh, and I grew up oh. with just how mean the well they peck at him too. But I just oh. <laughs> I grew up with how mean these things are. Wow, that's an interesting start of our podcast today. I wonder where we're going to end up if this is where we well, start. The, the reason I bring it up is because we we literally took a, a, a day off yesterday away from everything, all the concerns, all the needs, and spent awesome. the day walking in nature. And it was awesome. absolutely, uh, it was enlightening, wonderful. It was just a nice experience. And yeah. you kind of forgot where you were. Yeah. Um, and what you were doing here, not that many miles away from downtown Los Angeles, yeah. in this county maintained uh, park, mm -hmm. where, where for those of you who are listening from different areas, you can imagine how lush this area is when I tell you uh, some of the, the older, not the new ones, the older Tarzan movies were filmed here. Oh, some, some of them were actually filmed in a place called Tarzana in California, hence the name Tarzan. Uh, and and uh, Fantasy Island for the, the old TV show, for those of you that may remember oh, it. Oh, I do. Where the, the plane would land and they'd have, you know, Mr. Rourke's house and whatever. Yeah. That's, at this, that, that's this location. There was so a, you, a side note for those of you that like to escape via TV. There's a new launching of uh, Fantasy Island with a woman uh, niece of uh, Mr. Rourke as the as the curator of the island. Yeah. Quite, quite a good show. Uh, the the premise, show by the way, for those radical and retreat and well, just don't go to fantasy. Don't go to Fantasy Island. The, the premise for everybody who knows this is <laughs> you get to make a trip. So think of it as Expedia for your fantasies. Uh, we have no affiliation with Expedia, by the way. Imagine Expedia, you go to them, you book a trip, uh, and you can have any fantasy you want come true. And you uh -huh. land on this island, and at least the show I watched, Mr. Rourke and Tattoo, his assistant. Yes. The plane, the plane. Uh, the plane would land, and the passengers would get out, and each one of them got to fulfill their dearest, deepest, most profound fantasy. Yes except there's always a price you pay for every decision you make. And yes. so there was always this little dark twist to every Fantasy Island episode. Mm -hmm. Same same with the new launch. I recommend it, by the way, if you can find it. It's pretty good. Cool. So, so I know, again, ordinarily, we spend a lot of time talking, uh, but I would love to get our, house, our guest on because yes. uh, he's just fascinating. Absolutely. So I am very honored to have a colleague and good friend of mine, uh, Joe Primo, join us today. He's the author of a wonderful book called What Do We Tell the Children? Talking to Kids About Death and Dying. For those of you that need some support learning how to work with children in that arena. He's the former CEO of Good Grief Incorporated and a former hospice chaplain. He has a TED talk called Grief is Good, which is all about the power of resilience. And Joe, uh, Joe and I actually met through the National Alliance of Children's Grief, NACG, and he served on the board of the National Alliance of uh, Children's Grief and is currently on the board of Option B, which is Sheryl Sandberg, um, COO of Facebook, her charity. And he is an, a tremendous advocate for grieving children, an international spokesperson for the Funeral Service Foundation. 
and the Youth and Funerals Initiative. So I am super excited. I get to call him my friend. Like we hang out and have wine and talk about life. And I am so excited. Welcome, Joe. Thank you for coming on to be with us today. Welcome, Joe. Tell all of our secrets. (laughs) I won't tell all our secrets, I promise. (laughs) It happens in a room. Scott, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm I'm excited to have you on. I've been hearing about you for quite some time. Yeah, Joe, Joe and I actually, the cool connection between Scott is we went through the most magical secret and the most magical secret six-week companion guide with another yeah. colleague of ours. Yeah. And it was life-changing for me. So um it's fun to come full circle and and have us together. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's that was uh an amazing <laughs> I, it feels like it was much longer than six weeks. I think we, we were six weeks. And I'm like, thank you, Scott, but we're just going to keep going here. You're with us in spirit. And yes. we soldier, we soldiered on. And <clears throat> you know, that was a time when the three of us were really stuck in our lives. Yep. And then the three of us blew up our lives in very different ways yep. and have had some really seismic um, shifts. Thanks, Scott, to your work, but also the community thank that you. we were able to form together and sort of the trusting relationships um, allowed for that. And, you know, for for myself, I've had three of these, uh, two of these, God, maybe there's a third just waiting for me, two of these seismic um, shifts. And, and one of them was in 2018 with you, Michelle, and our other friend, and that was born out of uh, burnout and being burdened by responsibility. And the other one that I'm in right now is from a a source of of joy that uh, my husband uh, got an amazing new opportunity and we relocated to start a whole new um, adventure. But for in my life, I think so much, you know, you shared a little bit of my introduction. I think introductions are so ridiculous, right? I how, confla- <laughs> how conflated is that nonsense? Oh, God, I think, oh, whatever. Um, but you know, my You've done a TED talk. <laughs> TEDx, let's be clear. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the views are growing, the views are growing. Uh, but in my hospice work and and all the death and dying is uh something i come back to all the time yeah. and you know M- michelle you know we talk all the time of, in in our work about the five different aspects of the grieving experience and i think in today's conversation i really want to go a little bit deep on one of them awesome because it's really neglected um, okay. in order to paint the bigger picture of what it means i think to get unstuck and so for our listeners, when we think about grief and sort of adversity, there are five components that we need to sort of a- a- a address in that experience. And the first is addressing our emotional self. Um, and then it's our intellectual self, our physical self, our social self, and then ultimately our spiritual self. And the spiritual one is where I want to dive because um, I really believe that the burnout that we see rampant in this country the depression, one out of three in Americans are depressed right now, the suicide epidemic. I I think our general volatility is, uh, as a society, I think this is all deeply entrenched in a spiritual problem, which is to say that we have a meaning making catastrophe on our hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as we're having this conversation about getting unstuck and, and thinking about taking a radical leave from our lives and, and this sense of spirituality, I think um, it would 
be a disservice, especially with the three of us, with Scott's background, yours, uh, Michelle coming out of, uh, and you, you guys were talking about this on a, a recent podcast, uh, your evangelical background with a pastor dad and myself out of a Roman Catholic background, that I think um, we have allowed the wisdom that is within spirituality to get hijacked by radicals, by extremists on the right. And so moderates and progressives have thrown out so much wisdom as a reaction Mm -hmm. to the dysfunction that's happening in political political discourse and in religious discourse. And part of what I want to share today is an empowerment on not only how to reclaim your time, but how to reclaim the wisdom Mm. of so many people who have gone before us. Um, that you know, we might feel like we're alone on this journey, but we are not the first ones to be sojourners on a lonely or, or challenging path. Um, so, you know, part of what I hope to inject in our conversation are some quotes and some wisdom from really amazing people like Rabbi Abraham Heschel, um, uh, share some wisdom that I've learned. I spent two weeks with the incredible Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh on, ret- on retreat. You did? I did. Um, great. This, this is where I say I'm envious. Me too. Oh, I can't. I, I, I'll share some. I'll share some stories about time with with Ty. We. I named my uh, my last dog after Ty. It means teacher. That's what. That's. Um, that is what uh, Thai oh. translates to, and that is what followers of Thich Nhat Hanh um, called it. But other like great um, spiritual thinkers, like the mystic Hildegard uh, von Bingen, um, also an incredible musician, um, and things like the Rule of Saint Benedict, uh, things that you may not have any relationship with, and yet there's just all of this wisdom. Um, deeply buried into it. And, and I know I'm talking a, a, a lot here, but uh, Michelle, you gave me in 2018, when we were meeting together, um, doing Scott's six week companion book, a real gift. And I don't know if you remember this, you had gone to a to bat, bat mitzvah. Yes. And you oh, were yes. bored out of your mind. <laughs> and you're yes. like, what are they saying in Hebrew? I, this is not computing. And you were just like, you know, poor Christian girl, like, I don't know what's up here. My first bat mitzvah. (laughs) And you, as I remember it, you're just scrolling through some of the prayers, the prayers. Mm -hmm. And you brought one to, to our group that changed how I think about all of this and what I've really been thinking about for four years. Um, And so can I, can I read that? Oh, yes. I remember that moment. It was a powerful spiritual moment for me at that bat mitzvah. So please do read it. You probably should have Scott, like, I'm going to, I'm going to butch this. My Hebrew is as bad as my Latin, as bad as my Vietnamese. So here we go. (laughs) Uh, It's called Lek Leka, which translates go forth. And this is what, I guess it's a prayer or a wisdom source says. Once or twice in a lifetime, a man or woman may choose a radical leaving, having heard lech lecha, meaning go forth. God disturbs us toward our destiny by hard events and by freedom's now urgent voice, which explode and confirm who we are. We don't like leaving, 
but God loves becoming. Yes. And, you know, maybe, maybe just it's important to talk about some of the language in there. So like for me, I don't believe in destiny. So I switched that word out to mean true self. And if you don't believe in God or creators of the universe and switch that word out for something that resonates for you, but this, there's this wisdom that I think we heard, we heard together, uh, Michelle. And, and of course, Scott, you set that up for us. We were ready to hear it in a new way. Um, because of this magical life we were trying to get. But ultimately, you know, uh, what I read in this is that we can be disturbed to our truest selves, that our life adversities and joys, um, they are a discomfort that pushes us towards something. And just as the author admits, uh, this is hard, um, but all that is holy loves what we can become and what we can give to the world and each other that that there's this great potentiality that constantly exists and dwells and who we are and who we are um, together and i know i just can't help but wonder what a world would look like if we loved each other's becoming in the process of becoming you know you bring up an interesting point joe and first i want to thank you uh, for all the kind words and i'm really honored that uh, you, you read the book and took it to heart and it was able to trigger some some important shifts for you. Um, with with Lec Lecay, the one of the things that I love what you're saying, I believe the translation is literally go for you. Oh. Even, even, even wow. though it meet, even which ties in with what you're saying, um, which as I recall, <laughs> because it's, a, it, it's such an integral part of the Jewish tradition, but more importantly, it's not only just a go for you, it's, it's a leaving, it's an, it's an admonition, a call, um, you know, this inspirational leave, right? It's the beginning of Genesis. It's, it's that yes. whole, and in Jewish mysticism, at least, and in many of the wisdom traditions, because I know you want to talk about this, Joe, you know, one of the big things that I learned, there are two ways to approach life. One is the mystic who takes the approach, if I better myself, I better mankind. And then there's the approach, if I better mankind, I better myself. And what mm. we're talking about with the go for you is, let me better myself, let me, let me get back to my core purpose, and I'm going to talk about that here in just a second, um, then I better everybody around me. And one of the things that I've been noticing, I, Michelle, I know you and I've chatted about this, and Joe, I'm sure you've found this. People are so tied up with trying to find their purpose today that they're forgetting mm -hmm. they already have one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I and, love and they this get, discussion. And they get so <laughs> frustrated. You know, I, I get people all the time who, who say, I don't have a purpose, help me find my purpose. And I just tell them your purpose is already acting through you. How about we just do shit? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of worrying yeah. and angsting and, and trying to say, what is my calling? You know, I can't tell, you know, Joe, how many callings have you had in your lifetime? <laughs> I feel possessed. But it's interesting. <laughs> exactly. There's this whole folklore around calling. And I think we do such a disservice to people to say, you know, and early on, like I went to divinity yeah. school and I'm surrounded with 20 year olds as a 20 year old myself and everybody feels called to, I don't know what I'm like, how are you doing that at 23? This doesn't make sense. And here's what I learned in my last role. 
I walked into a job in an organization that had a bunch of challenges and it was about to come undone. And I happened to be a person in a place that could make it better. That was the first time in my life I had a calling. I didn't seek it out. I didn't know what it was. And I probably wasn't even aware of it until hindsight Mm -hmm. that I responded to what was in front of me. And I think that is generally what a calling is. is It is responding to what is happening in the moment rather than this. And that's why I don't like the word, this word destiny. Um, too Calvinistic, right? That, 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 that this is all prescribed, but rather if we can show up and be fully present, um, that is how we can answer a calling because it is a bit, it's a call and an action, right? It's a, mm. it's a response to the thing that, that needs to be cared for, that needs to be nurtured, that needs to be loved, that needs a little light um, shoved into it. I mean, <laughs> I think that's to go back to Thich Nhat Hanh, that was the brilliance of um, what Thai really brought to the West, you know, for folks who don't know who Thich Nhat Hanh um, was, and he just died in January, an incredible Buddhist monk. Um, he brought uh, Buddhism. He's really the person who brought Buddhism to the West. He was exiled for from um, Vietnam. And it was in this last few years of his life that he was able to go back and, and die in his homeland. Um, but when you think about mindfulness, Thich Nhat Hanh is really the one who gave us the language for that. So how do we mindfully walk and mindfully eat and mindfully wash the dishes and brush our teeth and to feel our embodiment? There's so much to be said about our physical embodiment and how that allows us to be present. Um, and, and I think we're so distracted by so many different things that we lose that sense of presence. We get caught up in a spiral of chaos that becomes our daily lives, that we lose a sense of identity. We lose a sense of time. We lose a sense of who we want to become. And we just go through the motions and we end up at our deathbed um, with our agency fully compromised. Wow. I have to tell a TikTok Han joke. Yes. So because you guys are so jealous of me being on retreat with him, I went with <laughs> no, 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 no. Not jealous, envious. I've, envious. I've learned from <laughs> I've learned from Bene Brown to use the right word, and <laughs> I, I I love that you got to be with him, and yeah. I am envious because I would have liked that, but I am so glad that you got to do it. Versus jealous, which is I just I don't want you to have it. I want it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing in my joke, Scott. <laughs> so the joke? Oh, it's not a joke. It's just an amazing story. He, you know, very, uh, uh, man, his presence. I, it, there's just something to be said about encountering a holy presence like his. And as, as part of this retreat, he required all the monks and the retreatants, probably about a hundred of us, I could be wrong, um, to have quiet lunches. So we did walking meditation and what have you, but we also had to have reflective lunches. We were fully present to the, the food we were eating. We were aware of what was sacrificed. We were aware of who harvested it and what have you. And of course I did this retreat with a wise ass friend and we're sitting in this room and everybody is dead quiet. And we're all, and my friend cuts into his salad and the salad, you know, romaine lettuce starts to crack and make like a crunching noise. And my friend goes, Shh. 
And I had existential laughter. I lost my shit. <laughs> I, I cried. I, I ran off past all the monks. They would have thought I was choking to death, except for the fact I was crying from laughing hard and disrupting the whole thing. You know, it's the oh, part of it. church that you just have to acknowledge. Yeah, I got to acknowledge the parts in church. You know, this is the, yeah, the joy. So, the joy comes with that. Mm. So one of I'm I'm so glad that Thich Nhat Hanh is one of your mentors because he is on um, my board of directors uh, that mm. Scott had us create in the Most Magical yep. Secret, um, and I watched him. I never got to be with him, but I watched him, and I remember you know we were just talking about the radical leaving, and then you do shit and things like that, but. One of my most impactful moments from him was he was giving a lecture in France in like 2014. And he said something like, you know, the people come up to him and ask him, what can I do? There's so much suffering in the world. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And he said, there's a lot of doing in being, in being compassionate, in being a listener, in being present, in appreciating that there's clean water for you to drink or sunlight or air for you to breathe. And, and I think that's like, when you talk about a radical leaving, you know, there's a doing action in the leaving. What's the being part of it that we don't talk. They were such a productive, you know, Oh, my work is my life and my meaning. And I'm moving into this place of being is my meaning being with my tomatoes in my garden is my meaning. Totally. Totally. And and I think Ty would say this idea of being present and bring, being compassionate, that is true for others. Yes. You should do that for others, but you have to do that for yourself. Uh, Yes. And that is where we're, what we're lacking. And I think part of what I've understood on my own radical leaves is the need to be present to myself by, and this is where I want to quote something from the rule of St. Benedict, uh, the Benedictines, uh, they're probably from the fifth century. They go way, way back. And, you know, monastics have a rule in which to live by. And people tend to think that this is a pretty strict rule, but actually it's sort of a little mamby-pamby in that it's like, you should do these things but you know, with modesty. If, if you can do your best at it, but in, in Latin, like the totally my speed, like, yeah, you <laughs> Try, but you know, don't get try, but it's away. okay. Don't be mad at yourself if you can't do it right. <laughs> what, what what is right? But in Latin, it's called. I'm going to botch this. Sacessa vericit, um, which means cut it back and it will grow stronger. <gasps> right. So we're looking at, and so Michelle, you're out there doing your gardening yes. this morning. If you cut back your lavender, and now this is yes. for those out there, don't go messing with your lavender. I could be wrong <laughs> in theory. <laughs> no, it's, it's Before true. you chop up your lavender. Okay, good, good, but, good. But good. watch a video on YouTube about how to do it right. Check it out first. <laughs> but like you cut back that lavender or many other types of flowers, you're going to yield yes. more blooming. Yes, you will. And in this rat race of our life, we have to identify what are the distractions that are keeping us from our becoming. And the first radical leave that I did is I had a six week sabbatical in Rome and I spent six weeks wandering the streets of Rome, um, seeking awe. And in a place like that, you do not have to look far. You just trip over and trip over what you put in your mouth. 
Aw, what you see? Aw, the people, because they're gorgeous. Aw, 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 aw. I got to ask, I've got to ask Joe, because, you know, (laughs) one of the favorite cities that my wife and I have visited is is Rome. We've been there a few times. And, you know, you want to go to Trevi Fountain. You want to go to all these wonderful places. Forest traps. Let me let exactly let let me tell you the awe. Uh, I learned two things in Rome, and I got to ask: Did you notice that you can hopelessly get lost in Rome because the street oh. signs are named different things depending on the different direction ends. you're going, and yes. and the locals can't tell you; they just point. <laughs> the other thing, and it and this is by the way ties in with our theme. We were walking. We were we were actually having pizza in Rome at a little outside cafe. And I noticed Mm. all these cars that were just some on the sidewalk, some on the street, some in the middle of the street. And I finally asked the the shop owner, what are the parking regulator? Because I don't understand how people park their cars the way they do. And he said, oh, here in Rome, we park by inspiration. I'm so Italian. And I have carried that, but I have carried that with me. When you think about what a wonderful way to go through life. And if we just kind of like parked by inspiration. That's why traffic and drivers are so horrible in New Jersey. It's a bunch of freaking Italians. They're just driving by inspiration (laughs) and, you know, chaos. Stopping by inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. So the Benedines cut back and it will grow stronger. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. And one of the, the phrases that the Italians have that I learned while I was there and I love um, and I can say this because I practiced a little bit of Italian. It's non vera la ora. And it means I don't recall the hour to be lost in time. Yes. And from that radical leaving um, and learning how to be lost in time, that led me to the, the I mean, this, this is uh, rich in spiritual and religious traditions, uh, Sabbath. Um, and an, crazy, uh, uh, an incredible uh, theologian named Walter Brueggemann, he says that's, uh, that the Sabbath is a radical leaving. And what's radical about it is a departure from the norm. Um, Heschel, who I mentioned earlier, described Sabbath as a sanctuary that we build, and it's a sanctuary in time. So what we should be doing is disorienting ourselves and how we even think about time. Um, and, yes. you know, I think Michelle and I bring to this conversation, I would hope a sense of wisdom from all of the people we've worked with who were grieving and, and, and all those who were dead, right. Yeah. All those folks who we've worked with and we've cared for about what times meet, what time means. And, yeah. you know, in some ways, all the cliches end up being true that it, it is limited and yet it is linear and it's bizarre. Um, but when we, when we carve out time and we create this idea of Sabbath or this departure from day-to-day routine, it creates space. It creates space for us to fathom. It creates space for us to remember what got us here and then to contemplate where we hope to be going. And so I think we have to ask ourselves, how often do we take the time 
to ask ourselves who we want to become. And I, and, the, and if anything that has happened in our lifetime, for sure, the pandemic, um, you know, that was this universal grief experience. And, and what that grief we experienced, especially in those early days of 2020 spilling into 21, right? Those, those first months and first year, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you all the time I was living in Philly, and I'd walk the streets and see all these neighbors I didn't know existed, people on their porches, mm-hmm. the social distancing and the circles that people would have just to connect with others. That was a radical leaving from our day-to-day yeah. lives. Yes. And I wonder how many of us asked ourselves, how do we want to integrate that into our future? What did we learn from that Sabbath, you know, quasi-Sabbath? And what do we want to do moving forward as a result of this experience? How do we cultivate mindfulness in a culture that is um, mindless? And uh, you know, the, I think the other crazy thing that's happening as a result of the pandemic is um, the great resignation. And I'm yeah. part of that. Woo, I'm a trendsetter, people. Um, <laughs> the, the New York Times columnist Margaret Renkel I mean, if people read the times, uh, she's in there periodically. She has a lot of nature writing. And she had this great book called Late Migrations. It was like these short stories and whatnot. But she had a quote in there that really stuck out with, to me. And it said, what if resting, what if resting all by itself is a real act of holiness? And so yes. then I would ask, what if the great resignation was, a, was an act of holiness for so many people to depart from the rat race, to break the wheel that we've, we've all just been lost spinning on. Um, because if, if you can't carve out time to ponder these things, I think, and, and to vote to yourself, um, I think that's a pretty good indication that you have a problem. Yeah. You know, I, I want to add something here because the way you guys yeah. are talking, I, 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 I love where we're going with this. I just want to let people know the etymology of the word Sabbath Mm. is the Hebrew Mm. word Shabbat, which means to rest. And Mm. the classic Hebrew greeting salutation is Shabbat Shalom. Uh, And the interesting thing in Hebrew, Shalom means peace, love, hello and goodbye it's Mm. all of those there are words in hebrew and in yiddish that actually don't translate into american let alone the good king's english uh and (laughs) one one of the things that i love that you've talked about here joe is the great resignation i have personally as a father and now grandfather watched with my kids this whole radical (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> reevaluation and reaffirmation of what the hell is actually important out there. Yes. <laughs> and I want to remind listeners, and I'm sure Michelle, you and Joe have noticed this too. We've lost that part, in my opinion, that part of our society that gave reverence to the wisdom of age. You yeah, know, we, yeah. we talked about the leaving to leave for yourself, right? Abraham, mm-hmm. when he got this calling, from God to leave was 75, 75. years old. <laughs> it's not too you know, late for you, Scott. <laughs> um, you're, I've got, I've got 11 years to go. Plenty of um, years to go. <laughs> you know, your, your wonderful blessed teacher was what he was almost a hundred when he passed. Right. 
96. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and we've kind of, because we, at least here in the States, continue to have and continue to be pressured to follow this assembly line mentality. Yes. It doesn't fit anymore with, no. with the way I think society and the world as a global community are progressing spiritually. Mm-hmm. That people are saying, I've got this, we'll call it a calling right now. I've got this calling. How the hell does that fit in with real life? Mm-hmm. And I think it's mm-hmm. people like you, Joe, that help them to say, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Walk away from it and mm-hmm. do what your heart tells you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's, fa- it's fascinating. Like when I think about it, Scott, you and I sort of had a pre great resignation resignation. Mine was in early 2019 and yours was in mid 2019. And we both left uh, long careers to do something else um, because we felt that becoming Joe that took the pandemic for a lot of people to realize like, I'm not living the life that I want to be living. Um, So, so did you want to say more, Joe, about the 2018 sabbatical and then the sabbatical you're on kind of right now? Yeah. And well, how you, you got know, here? It's, it's, I was thinking <laughs> as uh, I got distracted there for a second as Scott was rattling <laughs> off uh, memories of Rome. I just like, I had to go back there in my head. I'm telling you. <laughs> stay, with, stay with us, Joe. Stay with us. But, you know, um, I made this mistake for my, yeah. And for my first few weeks there, I kept referring to it in emails and text messages with friends. Um, As folks know, Rome is called the eternal city, but I kept calling it the internal city because for me, I was doing internal work. That makes sense. Um, That would help me. I don't want to use a, a big word like enlightenment, because I think what's important about these conversations is that we don't make them inaccessible or too grandiose. Um, mm-hmm. that the wisdom of radical. So uh, maybe this is a good point to make a couple of differentiations. So, uh, in 2018, when I went to Rome and then now as, um, I left as CEO of good grief and I'm in this career transition, uh, period for the past five months, you know, that th- this is this, these are radical leavings, mm-hmm. um, and that is, and just like you, Michelle and Scott had in uh, 2019, that's a radical leave. Mm-hmm. But there's another component of here, which I think is everyday life or every week life. And that is the Sabbath part. That mm-hmm. is what's translated for us as a radical rest. Um, and so perhaps for us to understand that the self-care culture in my opinion, is not enough. This multi-billion dollar industry that is cranking out products and memes Mm -hmm. and apps is Mm -hmm. not addressing the spiritual emptiness, the let's call it calling, um, Mm. meaning making that we as humans need to do, right? We need more than spa days and trips abroad for fulfillment. Mm. We need more than bottles of, of bubbly wine and yoga. We need more than the cliched memes because ultimately the human condition is to, you know, it requires- One of our listeners has bubbly wine right now. <laughs> She's here live with I bubbly wine. I hope many wine. of our listeners have bubbly wine right now. <laughs> it helps. It helps to Sorry, serve Joe. for some of us. <laughs> 
Uh, but you know, the but human condition more, requires us right? yes, mm-hmm. to unplug from our day-to-day life, to unplug from labor, right? We've also, I mean, we can talk at length about the labor movement in this country and sort of where we are uh, labor-wise. I'm no expert on that, but there's a lot to be said on that front. Uh, our human condition requires us to connect with our fellow humans. It requires us to rest, rejuvenate, and to become grounded, and also to remain grounded, um, to remain bonded, rather, to our past, so that we're able to move forward with intention. And uh, just to stay on that self-care theme for a second, I I googled uh, just some like, what's out there on self-care exercises and ways to go about this? What is the inversion of this Sabbath I want to talk a little bit more about? And uh, we can play self-care bingo, which includes bake a cookie, go for a manicure, stretch, be kind, have a dance party. I mean, listen, I love to dance like everybody else, but that is not going to make me my best self. And not when you're burnout either. Burnout is when your exhaustion beyond what a nap can help. Yes, we're not. So we're not. I think what we're doing here in this this self care uh, mega industry is we're not actually giving people the tools, the language, and the practice for rejuvenation and restoration in order to figure out when it is time for a radical leave. In order to figure out when my life is not on the right course and I'm not my best self when I'm not doing the spiritual work that I should be doing that as a human, I need to do. And this is where the wisdom of Sabbath comes into play. And so um, after Rome, I developed a practice and it was pretty fluid, right? Sometimes it was on a Saturday. Sometimes it was on a Sunday. Sometimes it had to move to the middle of the week when I had a day off because I had weekend commitments or something. But to take six hours to unplug from my life, to rest, that means to step away from my phone, to step away from technology, um, to develop passion projects, that was important, a sense of creativity, that felt appropriate to me. But to experience rest um, to the point where it could become boring. That's how you know you're doing it right. That you're clearing the clutter of your mind. Um, I like to call it in my house. I was I got I'm sabbathing. Uh, people may have heard of I forget the term of it for uh, the Japanese term for for tree bathing, where you go in nature and connect. And I do uh, tree bathing was a huge part of how I would sabbath to be out in nature. But I called it sabbathing because I was being washed over intentionally by rest. So taking intentional time, creating a habit and a practice that says, this is me time. Again, to clear the clutter, to create the space for imagination, for remembering, for connecting, for mindfulness, to allow memories to reemerge, to allow for me to reflect on the past week, what went right, what went wrong, what I want to do differently, but ultimately to be grounded and rest. And I think there's a very big difference between taking those six hours or so a week and dedicating that to yourself than going for a manicure because a manicure is not going to help you figure out who you're going to become. And I just want to go back to this poem 
that inspired me that God disturbs us toward our identity, that creating this rest is disturbing us to our identity and helps us figure out who we want to become. You know, I love this, Joe, and I'm going to ask a, a quick question because it's something that I work with folks on, and that is, you will know when what you're using today is this great calling, this, this great need to reset and rewire and reboot, right? That all of that stuff, the control alt delete your life. Uh, it is literally, I invite listeners to continually ask the question, who are you pretending not to be? Mm. And when, when, when you ask that question, I, I think, Joe, isn't that what your six hours of reset is, where you go back That's and right. go, who the hell, who the hell am I? That's right. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, when you do that work, you can see things about yourself that might say it's time for that radical leaving, mm -hmm. right? That's a little bit, that's different from the Sabbath. That's saying, I, I need to break this cycle. For me, it was leadership. I was burdened by the responsibility. Um, I was traveling and speaking. I was, I was giving and not, mm -hmm. I was giving constantly and not receiving and I realized all of the, the facades and the walls that were being built in order to allow me to do that. And I was no, and I, when I had lost myself, I was reading when Michelle brought <clears throat> um, that, um, that prayer into my life, um, a book by the philosopher Alan de Botton. I don't know. I, I like to add a little French accent to it. And this, this sort of happened simultaneously. And I'll read you this quote because uh, it's a really powerful quote, but then tell you what it did for me. So he said, much anxiety surrounds the question of how good the next generation will be at math. Very little around their abilities at marriage or kindness. We devout inordinate hours to learning about the tectonic plates and cloud formations and relatively few fathoming shame and rage. And, and I thought about, we, we don't spend a lot of time fathoming shame and rage. And I realized in my own Sabbath and time of rest, I, I didn't have capacity for it, right? Like I, I, I'm not asking these questions. I'm not, I'm not spending the time I want to on my own marriage, on my own sense of who do I want to be in this world? And that's when I realized it wasn't working for me anymore. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I know we've, this time has gone so quickly today. I know. Um, because I, I, like, I talked too like much. A, this is no, like a it's, it's not harder. Yeah. You know, have you one, back, of, <laughs> one of the things that, that Joe, you're talking about that speaks to me so deeply is this whole concept you, you you've used repeatedly the, the word awe and mm -hmm. i go back and i won't i won't get into it too in too much detail but go look up the josh groban version of let me fall uh from the cirque de soleil theme uh and in it there's this whole concept of jumping leaping not knowing trusting mm -hmm. that yourself will catch you and finding that place where your dreams and your fears collide. Mm -hmm. Love it. 
And I think that's what we're talking about when we talk about awe, because awe really is that place where you're really excited and, oh, shit, you're really scared. Exactly. That's what awe is. I I definitely went through that in my radical leaving where I took two weeks where I was in near panic in Hawaii, you know, like on vacation while not making money. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. What am I doing? You know, but I had enough time to forget what day it was, Joe, and enough time to forget what time it was and enough time to fathom shame, rage, fear, you know, and how I wanted to be moving forward. That was a huge sabbatical for me. I think you're on to something. I also love that you're on to that. We don't make enough time for this on a weekly basis. That six hours is not a lot of time in a seven day period for you to clear the cobwebs of your brain and make space. And we're just going and going and going and going. And I, I, I just, I think we need to stop. And rest and unplug. And create well, space part of for it, that holy discomfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of it, part of it too, is forgiving yourself, right? It's yes. t- take all that. T- and we're going to do a whole show on this at, at a little bit later, but taking all that scripting, all of that baggage we've accumulated from past trauma and what our parents gave us and, yes. you know, the, the intergenerational stuff and all the psychological reversals, whatever words you want to use, it's like, just it's okay and michelle i remember as well when we had we're having these discussions about (laughs) you know oh my god how do i leave this all behind and all the money and the consistency of clients and it was right there was a scary scary as hell yeah scary and and identity too identity is a huge part of it for me uh (laughs) running a nonprofit, money wasn't a question Ah, uh, that's but, why it's called a nonprofit. Right, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> but I, ha- but my identity was very much tied up yeah. in yes. the work, right? Yes. I became an expert on the subject matter, wrote a book yes. about it, yes. did multiple things, consulted over the subject matter, um, was a yes. so-called thought leader on it, right? Terms that were given to me, not that I didn't manifest them myself, but these are things that we, these are burdens that we give each other, right? And and so I allowed my work to become my life. And it became my identity. Yeah. I have yeah. an idea. I have an idea because we're, we're kind of running out of time and I hate to cut you short, but mm. Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Okay. I, I am throwing <laughs> out, I'm throwing out a challenge and an invitation. Michelle, mm. I would love for us to do a show on finding your identity again, because I, the and have three Joe of back. us uh-huh. and have Joe back. Would you do that, Joe? Oh God, I'm on the spot. I guess I have to say yes. And I'll come up with an excuse later. Cool. Unless it um, lands bit, on sabbatical. Bit, <laughs> yeah. The, the, reason, the reason I say that is the reason I say that is it's all wonderful that the three of us talk about changing it up, switching it up, taking a risk, going out on a limb, right? Burning the docks. And that's all wonderful. Uh, what do you do when you lose that sense of identity And suddenly you start getting sucked into this dark and twisty place. I've been there, right? I I know what it's like to to suddenly go, who the fuck am I? I thought I knew once. And I just think, I think, Joe, you bring such a wealth of compassion, understanding and real world experience that I would just, I think about it, but I'd love to have you back and do a show on that. Thanks for the invitation. (laughs) Sure. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Maybe like a year from now, Joe, it doesn't have to be anytime soon. 
Um, so <laughs> it, with with this, Michelle, unless you have a, a, a another question or something, no, I would I love want to your ask questions. Joe, I have two <laughs> questions for you. Oh, for, well, for, exciting. First of, first of all, uh, putting you on the spot and listeners, Joe did not know I was going to ask these, but uh-huh. I, I love to do this. Joe, uh-huh. how would you like to be remembered? <laughs> oh, man. You know, you. I spend a lot of time thinking about my epitaph, but usually that's pretty concise. <laughs> <laughs> and that would, it would be he went to meetings or uh, <laughs> much worse than it looked. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Hysterical. <laughs> I mean, I, I think ultimately that I made an effort to, to be compassionate to myself so that I could be compassionate to others. And that's really hard work. And I hope I don't die soon because I'm way far off from that. But I think <laughs> that's probably the most I can ask for. Wonderful. Well, I, I, I think that. it was Richard Bach. I think it was Richard Bach, one of my favorite people, who uh, who once said, "Here's a test to see whether your purpose, your reason for being on Earth, is done. If you're alive, it's not." Um, <laughs> so, congratulations for waking up today, yeah, and not having two pieces of wood on either side of you. Preach it, um, preach it. Uh, so, my last question to you, uh, Joe, what do you do personally to keep your shit together? take deep breaths. Uh, I spend a lot of time in nature and I try to give myself permission to let it go, right? That I have these goals, sort of like I mentioned with the rule of St. Benedict, that I, I, I have these ideals and things that I'm working towards. And I have to be patient to that, that I have to bless and release. I have to bless and release relationships. I have to bless and release goals. Sometimes I just have to bless and release a day. And um, I think that that helps a lot. Um, I love it. I love it. Joe, it was a pleasure getting to, to put a face with a name today. Uh, thank you for likewise, being part of this. Scott. Michelle, <laughs> thank you for introducding me of to course. Joe in the world. He's to, amazing. To our world to Joe. Um, so with that, uh, I'm not going to say goodbye to Joe because we're going to have him back. Uh, I want to tell you what's coming next week because I will do the, the bragging about this. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about Michelle's new book. Oh, oh are we? Uh, okay. Yes, we we right. are. And, Mich- <laughs> and Michelle's book is titled Help Me Understand. Uh, and it's a guide. I'm going to read the whole thing here. A guide to help children understand hospitals, death, an organ and tissue donation. And I happen to have seen it. It's fully illustrated. It's a kid's book, but we're going to talk all about that next week. And <laughs> Michelle, why you wrote it and how people can get it. And I'm very excited for you. Thank and, you. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna turn it into a bestseller. How about that? Listeners? Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But more importantly, just kids out there, kind of like Joe's book. Um, and, and our work together, there's too many kids out there that are left out of the discussion around death and dying and not told what's going on. And then for me personally, you add organ, cornea, and tissue donation on top of that, and they are so out of the loop. So it's, it's so just with, a tool that, for people that need it. Sorry about that. With that in That's mind, okay. Joe, what is the best way for people, number one, to get you and number two, to order your book? 
Well, first, I don't want to be found. Um, second, he's on sabbatical. <laughs> don't call him. <laughs> uh, LinkedIn is honestly probably the, the best way as I'm searching for my future. And I think my profile handle is linkedin.com, whatever that is. And it's Joseph M. Primo, I believe is uh, the handle on that. Um, and then the book is available on, on Amazon. It's published by Abington Press. That's another place. But of course, it's, it, uh, it is on Amazon. And hopefully it is a, a good tool for those who are looking for sort of the language and the framework on how to approach these really difficult conversations, both with um, folks who are ill, uh, folks who have died, you know, sort of the pre and, and some of the post challenges, and really just making some important paradigm shifts on how we actually think about who we want to be as parents and prepare our kids for dealing with life and the ultimate um, cycle of life. And Scott, I don't want to, I don't want to be the guy who comes and, and takes over the whole podcast and just chats you all out as I have successfully done. Um, <laughs> That's what we like about our guests. This is, this is how I <laughs> roll. Uh, but you know, I, if, if it's okay with you all, I would like to conclude with oh, my man. own words for Wonderful. your audience. And these words come from the opening of Scott's book. And I think tie in directly to um, the work that Michelle and I did for our own selves in 2018, but the conversation we've been having about awe and, um, and, and rest and what happens on the other side. Um, and the words are these, I can, I will, I dare, I am, I am the power. I am the magic. I can accomplish the impossible. I will completely devour life. I dare to be passionately curious. I do whatever it takes. I am invincible. Take my heart and set it on fire that I may give it to the world. Thanks for that, Scott. Thank you. Thank Joe. you, Joe. <laughs> I can't add to that. With that, thank, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to like us, subscribe, and comment. Share this with your friends. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you all. Bye-bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.